Okay, I hit live on mine. We'll see it. We'll see, we're seeing how it's going. <laughs> we're certainly <clears throat> going to see how it goes. Uh, okay, Tony, I got to figure out how to get you in here. Uh, that if is I true. We join... do need to figure that out. Je oh, shit. There we go. Okay, I sent an invite. Go live with trains like a train like a ranger. Instagram would like to find and connect. No. <clears throat> oh, okay. So it's top bottom. Yes. <clears throat> okay, try talking. Uh, talking. Okay, so you're coming through a little bit, but I I don't know how much that's gonna mess with this. Mic. Coming through a little bit. Through where I don't know how to turn that. Turn the volume all the way down. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what's up, guys? This is an experimental uh, dual live stream. So we are uh, figuring shit out on the fly. Yeah, yeah. So we are live currently on Instagram and YouTube at the same time. Um, you are. We can get checked in on either. I will be handling YouTube live. Uh, we got comrade Sergi Brin and uh, Bethany in there now. And then we have uh, Daniel is running the, the IG live side. Um, so we'll be able to kind of push through questions on both ends. We are trying the, the duel. Um, if it doesn't go well or we tried a couple times and it's not good, we'll, maybe we'll do a separate YouTube live and a separate IG live as we go forward. But we're just trying to get it, uh, just trying to get it going. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, how's my audio? Am I coming through? Uh um good on the, we got the uh, got the mic stuff. check here going uh bethany says youtube sounds good test, comrade test. sergey says sergey says mic check um but i think it's good <clears throat> all right ian says it's all good uh i see all your guys's questions rolling in <clears throat> thanks for tuning in guys um uh <laughs> you know what tony i you know i did say that there was a code i was gonna throw out here I'm not gonna say it yet. We did, we um, did, we did talk about a code where <laughs> the race thing is a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I think I know what it is, but I don't know it well enough to to say it live. <clears throat> um, I can certainly create one. If, uh... um, so welcome everybody uh, again. Just uh, doing everything on the fly. Yeah, I uh, I totally spaced on what that code was gonna be. <clears throat> But uh, I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, I'll have you pull so it up because, like I said, I think I know right. it, but I don't want to. Um, I don't want to say the wrong thing and then mess I it got all it. up. I got it. So I'll <clears> handle <throat> that uh, later. Okay. So if you guys don't know, we are going to be shouting out a code at some point during this live stream. Um, this code is basically a race. It'll apply to the first three people who can check out in time. You guys can choose any workout or nutrition program off our website, trainlikearanger.com. Um, so I guess uh, I guess it, let's scroll up and kind of see some of these things. But me and Tony are basically just going to start answering your guys' messages as a, uh, as a dual effort. And then knowing us, we'll probably get off topic and ramble about some other stuff too. Uh, what's up, Eric? That's fair. Eric in the chat, <clears throat> Relentless in the chat. Ian. Ian says, is it okay to use the running program and prep advanced military prep program at the same time? Was planning on doing the run in the morning and the lifts in the evening. Uh, this is actually a common question. Get it all the time. Absolutely. You can do it as a two a day. A lot of people have done it that way and they report 
feeling good doing that and and seeing their numbers improve a lot. So, yes, you can absolutely do that. Yeah, and like we said last time too, I mean, the Warrior program and some of these programs already have runs into the, like put into the workouts, so you can always just supplement one of the the runs from the comprehensive running program into that slot instead. <clears throat> and it works out fine. Um, all right, so for now, I have a couple on my end as well. I know YouTube might be a little bit slower, but we'll do we'll try to go back and forth. So you did the one. I have one as well. Um, so, uh, well, that's not really a question, Robert. See, question about security clearance and serving in regiment. Um, so whenever you have that, you can send it and I'll send it over. Um, so we have one in here that says from EM. How's it going, EM? Process of going from regular army to regiment. Oh, man. Okay, so... Really, it, it differs. I mean, it definitely differs uh, depending on your MOS and what your MOS is and things like that. So obviously, if you're an E5 and below, actually, is it E6 is an up go to RASP2, right? Or it, So E5 and below for below RASP1. Below is RASP1. E6 and, and up is... E6 is, and above yeah. is RASP2. <clears throat> um, but as long as you have all of the scores and everything like that, you can drop a packet from your unit essentially at any time that you want to. Um, now, it does have to be signed up on by your commanders and things like that. So I have had, I've hit a couple roadblocks a couple times where they were like, hey, we can't do this right now. Because uh, I have sent people to RASP from the regular army. Um, but at, at pretty much at any point you can drop a packet. Usually I try to, if I can, snag those dudes a ranger school slot before I try to send them to RASP to make their lives easier. Um, just because I know it'll make it easier for them on the back end if I know that they're pretty good leaders already and they know what they're doing. So get as much as you can out of the regular army before you switch over would be my recommendation. But realistically, you can drop the packet at any point at any time as long as your leadership is uh, willing to sign off on it. Granted, they will not sign off on someone who's not prepared and can't do the PC test and things like that. So as long as you hit all those steps and you go and you talk to them and they feel comfortable, they can sign off on that and send you it pretty much at any point. Yeah, I get a lot of questions on on that. Um, on, hey, should I go to Ranger School before I go to RASP, or should I just go to RASP and then go to Ranger School after? Um, you can do it both ways, but uh, you certainly uh, Ranger School would make your life a little easier <laughs> getting there, because uh, uh, being a private uh, there is a is a different world for sure. Um. Yeah, oh, I hope that answered your question. I think you're up. If you have Does one. Does Jay take questions <clears throat> on his personal account? Uh, me, that's me. Uh, yes, I do. <clears throat> awesome. I take and answer questions on my personal account. Awesome. <clears throat> um, uh, wait, it's my turn now. Josh just pointed out, Josh Fowler yes, said, uh, watch the YouTube podcast. They answer commonly asked questions. So yes, uh, that's <clears throat> actually what this series is. Fun fact, we have this going on YouTube and this on Instagram, but this is going into that series. Essentially, this is the third installment for that series. Yeah, so this is also on YouTube live right now on our YouTube, and then it'll be posted up to the YouTube uh, for anybody who wants to view it later on as well. Uh, so everybody who's here live, thank you. Uh, we'll work out the kinks too as we go forward, but this will be up afterwards too. So if you're listening later on, um, just know that we did it live and you can stop by. Uh, I think this is going to be a time slot about Friday at 7 Central, 8 Eastern uh, going forward. But um, 
What do we got? Comrade Comrade what? Sergey says he went for a run today. Um, congratulations. I'm proud of you. I did not. It's very cold. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, Robert C. says, what are the chances of my clearance being denied if I admit on my SF-86 to have smoked weed like six times about seven years ago? Um, honestly, for the clearance and stuff, uh, they're really more looking for anything that's going to make you a target for any kind of espionage is like a weird word to use in today's day and age. It's not James Bond, but, uh, usually they're looking for anything that can be used to make you do things that you shouldn't be doing or that people that if you have bad credit or something that they're going to be able to pay you off. So you'll give away secrets and things like that. Um, so I, I don't think it would be a huge deal. Uh, but I also, I don't know, and no one's really going to know because those are done not by, like, the army. Those clearances are done above that level. So it's hard for us to know the ins and outs, especially it depends on what clearance you're going for and things like that as well. <clears throat> awesome. Um, yeah, I just want to point out to your previous statement, uh, this was all James's idea. I, <clears throat> You know, we talked about doing this separate. Oh. Um, so... It wasn't. It was. It was mine. So like we had talked about it. We were gonna do Instagram and then YouTube. And uh, I announced on my. I totally slipped, dude. I announced on my post we're gonna do both at the same time. So surprise, um, surprise. We're doing. We're doing all right though, dude. Uh, Cameron says E fives need to be Ranger tab in order to attend RASP. That's actually not true, by the way. You can attend RASP as an untapped E five, but. <laughs> upon returning to upon returning uh not returning but arriving to regiment you will get sent to ranger school pretty soon after sometimes you don't even go to your unit and they go you go in route uh which is usual that's true yeah. so all of all the e5s that i know they went through ras one they did ranger school they did rasp past beret Ranger school. Ranger school. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah it's just right to it. So they just go straight through. I forgot about that. <clears throat> um, all right. We got GA. I don't know how they set that up. Dude, they don't. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they have like us, the, the pipeline just goes straight through. I mean, they have cert out there that's touching Ranger school. Um, all right. So we got GA. What's going on, GA? He said, What is regiment like for older guys, late 20s to 30s coming in? Uh, that's actually a really good question. And actually, me and Danny were in regiment with privates that were um, older. I mean, <clears throat> we had a couple older guys that went through RAS with us and, and were at uh, 175 with us as well. Um, the same, honestly, uh, you get treated not much differently. I, I guess I'd argue that um, they expect you when you get there, your team leaders and your team uh chiefs or team leaders and uh squad leaders and stuff like that are going to be they're going to expect you to have a little bit of a better handle on things and life than the 19 year old me and danny who show up you know what i mean um they're going to treat you like a private but for things usually outside of like specific army knowledge they usually treat you a little bit more like an adult so i know um if they're going to you know counsel you less on money and things like that because they assume when you're 29 30 years old that you probably <laughs> have a, a decent handle on it to the point where you know your 25 year old team leader is not going to sit there and lecture you about life decisions when you're 30 years old 
But on the army side, they will treat you like a private. Yeah, it it depends on the person. Yeah, I mean, certainly, if you carry yourself a certain way, Mm -hmm. you're most likely going to be responded to um, in a certain way. So if you act like an adult, you're going to get treated like an adult. But there are, you know, occasions where people are just going to see the rank. They're going to see pins and patches, and that's it. But, you know, I can speak for, like, I had a staff duty shift where, uh, you know, I was an NCO. I had a runner. And he was in his thirties. I mean, I think he was 33. He's a private. And, uh, and he was doing the whole, you know, charade of, you know, the progress sergeant. And I was like, please don't do it. This is weird. You know, cause at the time I was like, uh, 21, I was like, no, we don't have to do this dude. You're 33. You know what I mean? Like, well, CQ is weird too. It's like, it's like three in the morning. You're like, dude, relax. man. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. You're tired. We don't need to do this right now. <laughs> yeah. <certainly. clears throat> um, oh, I think it's your turn. Uh, Relentless is uh, bummed about his GT score. I know. He's, I was actually uh, talking to Danny about that before we went live. I was like, yeah. man, that is that is maddening. Like that, but honestly, it's close. Yeah, so close to the. I was telling Relentless earlier. I actually had a uh, my one of my team chiefs that I knew in the eighty second went and did those classes and bumped his GT score up like a billion. Like they teach you how to like take the ASVAB and increase your GT score specifically. So if you go take those courses. You're almost guaranteed to get over 105. So for anybody who is struggling with the ASVAB before going in there, if you get in to the army, cause you want to serve either way, if you get in and take those, uh, those fast classes, you are going to shoot your GT score up a ton. Cause I know like when you take that ASVAB, like some of that stuff is weird. <laughs> That's not stuff you just, it's weird. So they train you how to do it and you'll bump your score up by a lot. I, I, like I said, I knew an NCO that did it. He bumped his score up like 30. His GT score up like a lot of points. Now, he bumped it up higher than mine, but I argue that that's, you know, I don't think he gets the win for that. I still think mine's considered higher because I beat his first time go. Right. So I'm yeah, I've gotten questions on that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've referred some people to a recruiter friends in, in the network here. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess you can retake that ASVAB. Is there any limit to how many times you can retake it? I think you're only supposed to be able to take it once, one more time. And I think there's a like a cooldown period, but I cannot confirm that. And I don't know who to ask because like recruiters don't know. The recruiters I talk to don't know. It's not really in their purview. Usually you just take it once. Um, I can try and reach out and see if I can get someone at the talk to an education department person. Um but I, I've been told like there's there starts a cooldown period after you take it like two times. They're like, all right, easy. You can't just go in every week to try to get a better GT score. Um, but yeah, I'll have to find out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's some good resources out there, and, and you guys can reach out in the meantime to my friends at Go Army Midwest, all lowercase, all together. I refer a bunch of people to them. They've always done well by their verified Instagram account. They've always done well by by my people that I send over their way. Is there a go um, army East coast? <laughs> I don't know. Dude. Okay. Let's go. I mean, I'm an East coast representing over here. I feel like that's uh, <laughs> you're the East coast. Dude. Yeah. Surprise. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to change your IG handle to, <laughs> we might as well be dude. Uh, we might as well just get commissioned by the army at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, reminder, you can't <clears throat> instantly go to RASP once you graduate from West Point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, officer officer track is way different. So if if your questions are coming and you are a any alpha series like you need to let us know that because that is different. 
we do have the answers and that we have answers for that as well. But I feel like personally, I assume enlisted. I feel like Daniel does as well. Um, Cause we're dumb. So we were just, we didn't go to college for the army. We we're just little enlisted privates. Uh, but yeah, if you're an officer, obviously the track is a little bit different. Um, and it's different. Even once you're in regiment, it's, it's different. So that's you just preface the question with that in there as well. <clears throat> All right, so we got uh, EM. Apparently, he's pretty old. He's the one that asked the old man question. So EM, I uh, said, should I go try to go in Ranger School first or RASP? I'm reclassing to 11 Charlie as an E4 slash Corporal. Already have a secret clearance. Okay, um, I would one EM in the future recommend not, you know, blasting your clearance level uh, on the internet. But uh, besides that, I will say that if you can get a slot for Ranger School wherever you're at, I would recommend doing it first. Um, for 13 Foxes and Infantrymen, the difference is, I think, more vast in the actual like mechanics of your job between the conventional army and special operations. But as a mortarman, I feel like your systems work the same. So um, it would probably benefit you to you're going to get put in line if you go to regiment and you go through us, you go to regiment, you're going to get put in line for your school. If you can get a slot before you go, I definitely recommend it. <clears throat> that's a good point. I, I think that's actually a great point to bring up because in re, when you're in regiment, you compete for ranger school slots and the availability of <laughs> that came out broken, the availability of those slots varies. Sometimes they have a bunch of slots. Sometimes they don't have many. Um, you know, I I got lucky when I competed for mine. I didn't have very. They didn't have very many, but I managed to get one of those slots. And so it just depends on like timing. There's times where they take a whole bunch of the people. Um, you know, I can speak for the test I did. There was ten slots, and there was like a hundred of us that were testing for it. So it's very competitive. Um, you have to perform well physically. So you know. That's why we say be physically ready, um, not only just for RASP and things or the military, whatever you guys are doing, SEAL, you know, SF, whatever it is. But, you know, there's things after you get to where you're going that you need to perform for. So we want you to excel there as well. Yeah. And honestly, if, if you're in the the regular army now and you're you're planning to go into regiment, like like you said, go there with as much as you can. And like, if you have the option to go to school, even if it's not Ranger School, Pathfinder, Seer, I would take the chance to go to all those schools all the time. Yeah. Yep. Um, Relentless says uh, says he wants to do time in all three battalions. Doesn't want to do time in the big army. Would re much rather be surrounded by a regiment of uh, high speed people. Um, I understand that that sentiment, but I think you know it, it wouldn't. You know, if you spend time elsewhere, because the idea behind being a ranger is you spend time there. And then after a certain amount of time, you do get sent out regardless of of where you want to. Like if you want to stay, you get sent out to the rest of the army. So you will because the idea is you learn these tools and regiment and as a ranger and then you're supposed to share it with the rest of the army. That's the, the big idea behind it. So um, regardless, you're going to have to spend time elsewhere. And I don't think that's a bad thing because. Uh, it will make you more open-minded and have a bigger understanding of the system. Uh, but, you know, I dig the motivation for sure. But, uh, yeah, there's there's high-speed dudes everywhere. It just, you know, obviously they're going to be more condensed in a place like special operations, but there's some 
there's some absolute badasses out there in conventional forces too. There's also some low speed dudes in special operations every once in a while they sneak through. So just, you know, keep that in mind as well. But uh, no. So I would argue, though, that uh, if you haven't watched our podcast, we did one uh, way before I was ever you know, linked to train like a ranger uh, about 13 foxes. And some of these jobs that we do are, are so different in the regular army that I am um, like, I would argue vehemently and I would have done this before I left, but uh, I am a better 13 Fox. I'm a more well-rounded 13 Fox than Daniel is because I was in the regular army. So when I showed up to the regular army, like they were asking me to do these artillery missions. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, I, I just didn't know because it's not something that I, we we worked with a lot. Now, we did do it a little bit, but there was no way. So my level of expertise and well-roundedness grew substantially uh, when I went to the regular army. Granted, I was in the 82nd. It's not like I was, you know, I was going to some like middle of nowhere unit that didn't do anything. I mean, the 82nd has a, a long and storied history and past and as much as sort of operations uh, talks badly about the regular army, you know, airborne units are are good units and you'll meet a lot of good guys and good dudes that want to be in the army and, and that do want to do some of the cooler stuff or they were, you know, in SF selection and they failed out because sometimes you're too young and they don't want you yet and they need you need to get experience. So, like there are really, really good dudes and really, really smart and effective soldiers that you'll meet um, across the entirety of the army. So. Uh, like he said, obviously more densely populated in special operations, but I met a ton of guys um, in airborne units that are awesome dudes. I know some of them are in, you know, SF now and, and things like that down the line regiment and thing. I've sent dudes into regiment and stuff like that. So um, it'll make you a more well-rounded soldier and person if you interact in all sections of the army that you can. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. Getting different votes is a good thing. You know, as a leader, uh, especially being in a place where, you know, maybe dudes are harder to train, maybe they come in with less training and maybe their motivation, you have to find ways to motivate them. That's going to make you a better leader because you got to dig for that. You can't just boot them out. <laughs> you know, I talked about this a couple of times where you can't just boot dudes out who you don't want there. So, you know, that is one thing, you know, you got to think about your development as a, as a person. Um, yeah, I will say difference between special operations and conventional forces. They, they do things a lot differently. And I can speak for people like my cousin. My cousin was a combat engineer. His deployment, uh, his first deployment looked way different than my first deployment. His first deployment was atrocious. I mean, that dude was, was getting blown up all the time. And he had, he had legitimate PTSD. Like when you talk about the term PTSD, this guy had it. So he went through the, he went through the ringer where, you know, whenever I went over there, it was a lot more fun. You know, we played some Xbox, we lift some weights, drink some myoplex, Go hit a go hit a target when it was there, you know, and it was like we knew exactly what was going on. So it was like nobody was going to surprise us. We had all everything we needed. So, um, you know, there's a there's definitely. I wouldn't say no one can surprise you, but less likely to be surprised is a stronger. I think a more apt way to say that. That's not blanket for all everybody's performance. Like definitely, uh, you know, special ops dudes get into some hairy situations. But you know, I can speak for my first deployment. It looked way different from his. It was a lot more organized things like that so um so yeah i mean don't just because dudes are coming from different places treat everybody with respect because you don't know those dudes backstories you don't know what they've been through just because you know you guys carry a different title you don't know those stories like again some dudes who've been through the freaking ringer who uh who didn't 
go through the same schools and have the same bells and whistles that I had. So, you know, I treat everybody with that respect personally. Yeah. And like Daniel and I have talked about it as well. Um, he eventually moved into the company after I had left regiment and, uh, all of our NCOs there essentially were imports and they were amazing NCOs. Like we, that, it was, it was amazing. And then they had brought all their experiences from all of these different units in these different places, these different appointments from everything and kind of uh, coalesced it to make them really, really more, uh, well-rounded NCOs. Um, and I think that it's a good thing. I mean, I think, um, you saw it, you know, even going into the war on terror, like people were getting ready during the cold war to do like fight conventional armies, like bunkers, clearing trenches, anti-armor stuff. And then it was different going in and it's, it's always good to have those different experiences. The more well-rounded you are, it, the more effective you are at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. All right. All okay, right, we're getting... No, it's my turn. <laughs> it has to do with the ASVAB. I got to say, Righteous says, listen, listen, Righteous says six months, I'm beating you to six months before you can take the ASVAB again, by the way. So that is the cooldown period. Okay, there. Yeah, I knew there was some kind of cooldown. I just didn't know exactly what it was. I appreciate the insight, even though it was my turn. All right. Um, so Michael Seeley says, uh, how long are deployments and how long were you home and able to spend time with family? Uh, coupled with that is, is how many raids would you do in one night? Uh, Michael, so deployments kind of vary, but, you know, they're not, it obviously depends on, in special operations, even the timing depends. So your deployments are going to be anywhere from like a month to 12 months, really, at the end of the day. Obviously, they've slowed down since then, um, but they can vary. I mean, generally, I just don't know how how... I don't know. Daniel, how, what can I say? I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm still a little bit foggy on where I should say. Can I say how long our deployment was? That's um, not unacceptable, right? I feel like that's okay. okay. Yeah. It's yeah. four months, it, it, about, about four months, roughly. Um, and then you have a, about, you know, eight to 10 month period where you do your, uh training and stuff. But it's the way it worked is like, you kind of deploy, you come back, you do post deployment stuff, uh, leave, training cycle pre-deployment stuff leave deployment and then kind of cycle that through um so really at the end of the day i mean yeah you're gone kind of a lot but when you do get time you get that time so i mean after deployment i mean you get leave it's pretty light before you start your training cycle pretty easy days uh you come in you do pt do some training do some work you're off you know two three in the afternoon uh you know, so there's probably about like two to three months of solid, pretty light, easy work where you have time to do everything you need to do. And then there's about six months of um, soul crushing training where you feel like you don't <laughs> sleep or, or live as a human being um, in between that as well. So um, you're going to work hard in regiment and but you, you they do you know you get that paid off a little bit on the back end as well so like you obviously you work hard you train hard you work hard on deployment but like when you do get time you get that time um it is not an easy life but you you do get time to spend with your family um but like we've talked about a couple times like it's it's not exactly i wouldn't describe it as easy yeah certainly not um you know, we know guys who are still doing it and they're at, at this point, they're basically running the show. I mean, they, they became the guys who are basically nearing the tip, 
tip top of the guys up there. That's a, it's mind blowing to see that, but because that the job is uh it's rough, man. It's a machine. Um, fun sometimes, but mm-hmm. you know if uh, if it wasn't absolutely uh, ground and pound, you know we'd still be there doing that, doing the job. It's it's a it's a hard uh, it's hard life to keep going. What I like to say for places like regiment, it's a great place to to grow up and spend you know a number of years, and then you know go out and grow in other places. Like a lot of dudes go to SF, they have a they have a much more sustainable life in things like SF and um, Ranger oh, Regiment's yeah. no joke. I mean, that's that place is uh, is hard charging for sure. Work hard, play hard, right? Yeah. Work hard, work hard, dude. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> work hard, work hard, uh, work harder. Work hard, drink about it sometimes. Uh, uh, okay, let's see. It's your turn, dude. Now you're not ready? I, you're going to take my turn? I now read you're not slow, ready? dude. I read slow. <laughs> uh, I don't. Actually, I, I just found relentless. He said, uh, if they want to learn these outstanding skills taught in the regiment, why don't they just go to RIP? He likes to call it rip, by the way. Uh, Josh, Josh is telling him it's not rip anymore. Uh, he likes to call it rip because uh, he likes the sound of it. But um, well, rip was actually shorter by a lot. Rip was only like yeah. three weeks long. But yeah, and you know everybody before they say they have it harder, but uh, but uh, I, I think the way RASP is laid out is actually better results and better privates coming in. A hundred and twelve percent. Even some of the old are trained. The, even the old heads say say that, dude. They're like, "Yeah, I'm glad to see you guys learn something in re- like in your selection process now." Because yeah. <clears throat> the idea behind RASP is the first three weeks are still similar to RIP. You still have that hard process, that you know weed out process, and then after that, it's the train up. Essentially, you got the phase two where they're training you up. So. Um, overall, what I like to say about RASP is it's more of a buildup than a breakdown. Those first three weeks are definitely a beat down, but then after that, it's a lot more of a train up, uh, build up because you've made it past the first three weeks. You're most likely going to make it through the rest of it. Yeah. Except for me. Yeah. Except for me, obviously. (laughs) Uh, most of the time you're going, (laughs) yeah, I had to do it all again. So um, yeah, there's another question answered. Like if something happens, like a variable like that, you can stay in a holdover status and get reinserted. But you got reinserted depending. from the beginning. It does depend, though. Uh, so I have a buddy of mine who I actually met later on in uh, Fort Bragg. We did a huge jump, and uh, I said something rude to him, and he turned around, ready to ready to throw hands, and he was like. He didn't recognize me at first. <laughs> he turned around. He was ready to throw hands because I said something rude to him. He's gone. What's up, man? Um, so I have, a, I have a buddy of mine who broke his uh, leg, but he broke like his essentially his shin bone, but in two places, top and bottom. So he had like a fr- essentially a free floating bone in his shin. And the rehab was going to be too long for them to keep him there to do it again. So they yeah. sent him away um, with the ability to come back if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, but he actually got recycled the same time as me. I, I actually had to carry him on our run because we fell out because I had pneumonia and he broke his leg. So we fell out. So I had to buddy carry him all the way back. Um, but yeah, he broke his leg in two places. So if your rehab is going to be too long and you're going to need like physical therapy and things like that, they'll send you away to a unit and then you have the capability to come back and it's not a mark on you. Like it's not like, oh, he failed before. You got med recycled. And even if you don't go back and write then you have the ability to go back. Uh, whereas for me, I was going to be a phase two insert, but they don't do phases like that anymore. So I actually ended up doing the whole thing again. Um, so I passed 
you know, rasp one and a three quarters times. <clears throat> yeah, it was a rough go. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's, uh, that's pretty gross. But, um, yeah, he was sick too. I mean, he was really sick. Uh, you tried pushing for about a week after that sickness and that was, uh, you're coughing up things everywhere, dude. And you're like, a leaving slug trails. This is, this, well, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you what it's like, uh, in rest when everybody's just trying to make it, uh, they were so mad at me. Like I was, they were, they were getting angry and upset with me cause I was coughing at night. I was, I was keeping them up. Like I, I, like I was sleeping, you know, I was fine. You know, just, I was just sleeping, relaxing. No big deal. I had pneumonia. I had fluid in my lungs and uh, they were mad at me for being sick. So that yep. was a uh, good times. Good time. Yep. Um, I, you know, I remember, uh, I had a nosebleed during a run. You remember this? I had a nosebleed. During oh, a run. You always got nosebleeds. Uh, yeah, it was like, uh, well, I had, Apparently it's like my nose. Um, That's what, yeah. What's when a nosebleed comes from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. on. (laughs) Let me finish my thought. Uh, uh, My nose has been broken before. So they say, because the septum's deviated or something, when I get allergies, it bleeds sometimes. I guess that's normal. So that's what happened. We were running. My nose started bleeding, whatever. Well, I kept running with it because what else am I going to do? And uh, so we finished the run uh, towards the front and everybody got mad because they put, I didn't, they pulled me out in front and they were like, this is what we want to see, which I was totally uh, taken aback by, but uh, it's like just because my... I had a nosebleed and I ran, yeah, but they were yeah. so upset. Dudes were, dudes were upset with me because I ran with a nosebleed. I remember going up to the lockers and they're like, well, this dude thinks he's special because his nose bleeds when he runs. <laughs> and Hey, listen, yeah. Daniel's special, but for other reasons. All right. Hold on. I will be right back. Your question dude, though. You're just you're leaving? Your question. I'll be right back. Your question. Piece of shit. All right, guys. Let's, let's see what we got. Uh, let's see. For a running program, do you have to run every day or do you break it up and allow rest for days in between? You certainly don't have to run every day. You can break it up if you need to. So it's one of those things where you want to listen to your body. When I wrote the running program, there was avid runners who wanted a running program where you run every day. So uh, five days a week, I should say. So I made that as smart as I could. But obviously, when it comes to things that you are doing repetitive, you want to listen to your body. Take those rest days if you need. You know, what you may do is you may cut a Wednesday if you need to cut a day. So do the Monday, Tuesday, cut a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Or if you need more days, run three times a week, cut the Tuesday and Thursday and, uh, and mix it up that way. But basically it just depends on your needs, your goals. Uh, people have a wide range of goals and we try to make that as clear cut as possible. So, uh, yes, the programs are a good blueprint, but don't be afraid to make changes if you need changes. And if you got questions, you can always reach out to me. So certainly you can run the full program or you can break it up if you need to. As long as you are prepped for that running, your body is prepped for it. Uh, be sure to run, to, refer to things like my shin splints video. I talk about gradual training and why that's important. We also got another video releasing in my next trainer talk about, uh, and this won't apply to most of you guys. This is more for intensive athletes. And I, uh, I'm going to, I think I specified that. You heard it but. here first, folks. Daniel does not think you are intensive athletes. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I'm talking about like a lot of these, uh, it was certainly in regiment and places like that, special ops dudes are, I would consider intensive athletes and places like, uh, you know, got fighters who are training all the time, you know, five, six days a week with over 90 minutes of intensive training, you know, they might look to develop something known as overtraining syndrome over time. So I address that video. Be sure to check that out. But I just talk about training smart, gradual training and periodizing your training. <clears throat> so be sure to check that out on Monday. Comrade Sergey says, uh, should I be standing at parade rest while watching this stream? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but we have... Oh, uh, Seawick got a th 113 on his GT, but was able to get an option 40 or a standard infantry contract. Is it possible for a combat engineer to get to do RASP? Um, yes. Yep. Uh, as long as that's what you want to do. You know, <clears throat> the most important aspect of your military career is your job at the end of the day. As long as you enjoy that job, you think it's going to be a job you enjoy then I would say, yeah, there's other things you can do that would be enjoyable. Um, so as long as that's, that's what you enjoy, you know, regiment approves all sorts of MOSs. There's an MOS list. You can just Google Ranger MOSs. They have a list. And 12 uh, Bravo links. is on there. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I have a cousin, a stepdad and a brother. Uh, my cousin and my brother are both active duty right now. Uh, one is in Bliss, maybe. Others in Germany. Um, they are both combat engineers. Um, they have fun with it. I worked with a, a bunch of them over the course of my career. Um, not what I would want to do um, personally, but I just don't like carrying around backpacks full of explosives if i can avoid it um so but no it's a great job and you, you can go to rasp if you'd like to um if you are i don't know if you're already doing that or you're looking to get a contract um i know danny did the podcast with the recruiter um the contracts kind of come and go and took a little bit of a carousel so like you said if you're willing and you're think that's going to be something that you'll enjoy as your job every day for a while if not the next 20 years uh, then definitely go for it. But, um, you know, there's no harm in waiting either. If you want to wait and see, uh, I have, you know, um, I don't know what his Instagram handle is. He watched my streams. I'll stare, um, was talking to me and he waited and he waited and he waited and was trying to see what he was going to do. And then an infantry popped up and he was like, man, I don't know if I'm ready yet. And he waited, you know, a month and a half and that contract was gone. And, um, so he waited another month and a half and ended up getting a 13 Fox contract and with an option 40 and a signing bonus and went and signed that contract because he waited a little bit and like made sure he was ready and waited in a little bit and kept biding his time until he got the contract he wanted. So I would never tell you to take a job you don't want because it's there right then. Uh, but if it's something that you would enjoy or you think you could enjoy, then, you know, I would say go for it. Yeah especially for you guys who are on the fence and you don't know what other jobs do, you know, it's worth looking into and seeing if that is something that you'd be interested in. There's more than one thing to do. You know? um, also comrade Sergey, you do definitely deserve a cookie for getting a 98 on your ass fab. That's pretty good. <clears throat> I had an 89. I think that was my like actual score. Daniel. What mine? Yeah. 90. 
34. I'm, I'm better than you. 32. <laughs> uh, Daniel had the benefit of taking the ASFAB uh, while he was still in high school, essentially. That is true. I was a, I I was a little school. removed from, from high school when I took mine. So they were like, <laughs> what's four plus four? And I was like, hmm, pass. Yeah. My GT was 127. Yeah, your GT and ASFAB score were a little bit higher than mine. I had an 89 and like a 124 or something like that. And then I showed up to uh, regiment and they informed me that I was the dumbest person they ever met. And that seemed pretty consistent. So that's fair. Um, <clears throat> and they were probably right. Dude, so. um, as, as VAB still matter. Dude. Uh, should I be in the leaning rest while listening to this? Is that even a question? dude? Like always. Yes. Everybody phones on the ground. <laughs> uh, I have Robert C here says that the recruiter can actually, um, authorize a retest for your ASFAB at the Memphis Battalion. Um, so you can maybe get it retested before you join, but I know you can t- retake it again once you're in. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Horton from our AITs in here, by the way, he said, what's up? What's up boys? So Aaron, I remember you. What's I up, don't man? even know who you are. No, I'm important. <laughs> <clears throat> I have, uh, I have uh, Aaron on uh, on Facebook. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's killing it out there. He's a lineman now. Um, yeah, I, I he's one of the ones. It's funny. I saw a lot of dudes when I went to the the regular army when I went to Bragg and stuff. I think he was in Bragg as well, but I, I never actually saw him. Oh man, <clears throat> um, what's going on? Where are you doing? That's cool, dude. Small world. I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces. Um, so it's good to see that, dude. All right. Got another one. How much are privates expected to know upon arrival at battalion? Did they get taught what they need to know, or did they have to learn it on their own? So the dude who's disguised as another dude. I like that name. Um, yeah, okay. So, man, I talked about this in, in our or one of our original podcast uh when i sh- i showed up um they gave me a day one binder so it's a binder filled with everything that i was supposed to know on my first day it was uh like this thick <laughs> like, like there was no way that i was going to, to know everything uh that they wanted me to know on day one i mean they had pictures of aircraft and helicopters uh all of information about every munition you could ever get like all of this information they were like hey you need to know this you need to identify it like i know all this stuff and i knew none of it when i showed up on my first day because i went to ait and then was you know you got to do airborne school and rasp and all this stuff in between so like your six whatever you had in osit or ait like all that job knowledge has been kind of pushed to the back of your mind especially from airborne when you do the same eight things every day over and over and over again um so they said, hey, you need to know all this by tomorrow. And I went back to my room and I started studying. And one of the privates that had actually been, I think, in our original RASP class, uh, came to my room. He was in my company as a, as a 13 Fox as well. He said, hey, let's go get some food. And I was like, dude, I got I to know all this stuff. He's like, there's just literally no way that you're going to know all that stuff by tomorrow. He's like, let's go get some food. He's like, listen, he's like, you're going to know what you can know and you're not know what you don't know. So he's like, do everything you can to know as much as possible. But like, recognize that you can't learn you know 75 pages in a, in an evening like you just you can't do it so you are expected to know nothing at the end yeah, of the day you're expected 
to fucking work hard and learn everything that you can and retain the information that you do get taught. And you will suffer for not knowing things that you're not supposed to know sometimes. That's just the way it's going to work. But you are expected to learn and retain the information that you get taught and are given and told to learn. So you get trained in some of it. You're told to learn some of it on your own. But it's never something... No one's ever like, hey, here's a book, know everything that's in it, and they don't ever teach it to you or talk to you about it or anything like that. Yeah, and, you know, it's a process. It it certainly looks good if you guys are putting in the time to study and you guys start knowing stuff faster. It's only going to make your life easier, but you guys are going to have to go through the process. You know, um, me and Tony were talking before about how nice I was. I was a nice guy, right guy, but at the same time, I had to early on be like, hey, I can be a mean guy too. And then I would do that for a couple of days and then I'd be really nice. So some guys have a process like that. You guys got to go through the, you guys got to earn your way and whatever it is you do, whether it be things after that, um, you know, so I would say there's some, uh, like a rite of passage, depending on where you go. Some guys are, um, not 21 and not shitheads, you know, like I was, <laughs> so, you know, uh, hopefully you got a guy like that who's, uh, who's cooler. Um, so I don't know. You got anything for that? Uh, no. Yeah. I just, it's uh it does. I mean, sometimes it is luck of the draw and stuff too. Yep. Yeah, certainly. Um, all right. Uh, relentless one wants to know how to get inducted into the regiment hall of fame by doing something nuts, dude. Doing something nuts. I mean, it depends on what Hall of Fame you're talking about, too. Like, there's the actual Regiment Hall of Fame, and then there's, like, the the legends of things that are passed down from Ranger to Ranger and stories of things like that uh, as you go. So, you either got to do something really, really cool for the actual Regiment Hall of Fame or something re- really, really stupid for the unofficial, <laughs> like, passed down story Hall of Fame. Uh. <clears throat> certainly all right let's hit one more uh question on my end and then if you got any we can hit yours oh man so, i have a couple yeah we'll do if we're gonna do okay, one we'll one do more yours. each so i'll pick a well i can probably get a couple more we yeah just one more on my end uh we still got 14 minutes on the uh cutoff clock so um hardest pt session that we had in regiment now i'm going to speak for rasp um some of the most unforgettable pt <clears throat> sessions i remember is uh, Chim, speaking of Chim, this guy was a Muay Thai fighter in great shape. Um, and we would earn our weekends. He was one of the coolest guys there, but I never forgot how hard he would work us in the morning. He would absolutely destroy us. And then the rest of the day, he was super cool, super soft spoken, teaching us everything. But at the beginning of the day, dude, we were going to earn the day, dude. And on the weekend, we certainly earned the weekend. That dude was something else. He absolutely obliterated us. And then, and then <laughs> what he would nuts. say, what he would say was, he says, he says, this is this was my warm up. He's like, then I'd start my workout. Yeah, I believe that too. I was like, cool, cool, cool. I had pneumonia, so I was like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no, it's perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I just sailed through this. No problem, no problem. Um, actually, I'll say my um. I'll give you two examples. So <laughs> my uh, team leader in uh, regiment, he got really in shape and started running a ton. So it didn't lift a ton of weights or anything like that. You're talking about. And what he would do was he oh would, he would run me until, um, 
he would essentially run at whatever speed was required for whatever distance was required until I fell out. So like the longer I lasted, the longer we ran, but he just ran until he broke me. It was like, it was the worst. And he said, he's like, wow. He's like, so one day we got back. He said, man, you lasted like a lot longer than I thought you would. And I was like, that's okay. I don't. So you didn't actually have a plan to, for what we were going to do. You just ran until I, 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 my soul couldn't take it anymore. He's like, yeah. yes. But my second time going through rasp, we did ruck PT in the morning. And, uh, there's a hill out at rasp. It's called cardiac hill. That's right. What we did was we rucked six miles, but we rucked six miles up and down Cardiac Hill. Just up and down, up and down, up and for six miles. You know how demoralizing it is to do something on such a short amount of distance that many times repeatedly, just sucking. It was yeah, just rucking up and down. Is it, so they're both the sucks. worst kinds of <laughs> And then we yeah. went to, uh, uh, to end it off, we rucked and we did pull ups with our rucks on. It was, uh, it was a dark day. It was a dark day. <laughs> about that. Yeah, yeah. I remember them making us do buddy carries, and uh, and uh, I, I was, you know, uh, 135 pounds when I got to rasp, and they made me carry this guy who was like 210 pounds. He was a huge dude, and I, uh, I never forgot carrying that dude up the hill like three times. So 110 pounds was a huge dude. 210 pounds. 210 pounds. In comparison. Like Everyone's huge to you, yeah. And also, don't listen to this guy because he tries <laughs> to dwarf me every stream. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, what do we got here? Um, what does a typical day look like in Battalion? Uh, what makes Battalion harder than Rasp? Um, there is no typical day in Battalion. There just isn't. Um, every day is pretty different. I mean, the only days that were seem even sort of similar to me was before, like when we're kind of, you know, before our training cycle and after where we kind of have that little bit of a break before other stuff. Those are all kind of similar where you just kind of take care of um, some admin stuff, some basic things. You do PT, you take care of admin and basic and stuff like that. But like <clears throat> every training event is difficult and hard and different and everything in its own way. So there's really, really at the end of the day, like in actual garrison regiment, it's, there's not, a, I can't even remember. I couldn't even give you a basic day plan. Like you wake up, you go in, you do PT and you do whatever they make you do until lunch you eat lunch and then you do whatever they make you do until you leave. Like I, it just depends on the day. And then obviously when you're out of training, you're sometimes you're gone days, just the night i refer to it as the oil field that's what i like it's kind of like the oil field in a way in that there's like two three weeks where you are just out like say bye to everybody like pretty much and then there's also two three weeks that are more gradual but you're still doing stuff and it also depends on who you're who's your leaders what's going on in the world um you know and if you're on you know, really, like call if yeah if you have staff duties, <laughs> so like, yeah, it's all different. I will say, I can tell you there is, there's one thing, um, that makes rasp so much easier than regiment and being in battalion. And it's the fact that you're not a number 
you're not a nameless gray face in the crowd of 100 dudes going through selection. You have a team leader, and they're looking after, you know, at most six guys. You can't just hide away. Like, when you do the wrong thing, they know. And you yeah. can't hide the fact that you screwed up or you don't know or you messed up and you did the wrong thing or you don't know the right thing to say or to do. You There's no hiding it. You need to do the right thing. You need to know how to do the things. And if you don't, they will know and they will fix it or adjust what they need to do to make you know. That is a great point. And that's why I don't like the gray man mentality. I can speak for me personally. I was good at being a gray man. I was good at watching people well, yeah, you could hide. Up. I mean, you just were able to stand yeah, behind okay, people and they couldn't that. see you. Be the guy who says, I'm going to do this first and I'm going to look like a dumbass, you know, within reason. You know, if you're doing things like, um, we're trying like to do it right. You don't want to fail the criteria, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, when it comes to like volunteering in certain aspects, like put yourself <clears> out there, especially if it's going to be a leadership position, it's not going to hurt you and, and your ability to pass. Like put yourself out there. Um, you'd rather learn in that scenario and even whenever you get to a unit like be comfortable with get comfortable with being uncomfortable put yourself out there because whenever you get to things like your unit to like you know ranger school they're going to put you in the spotlight and there's no hiding behind other people you are going to be the guy and you gotta you gotta show up so you know i can speak for my experiences whenever i was coming up really good at being a gray man but then whenever i got to you know my unit and even I struggled with this in Ranger School some early on, you know, being the guy who was stepping up and looking good, that was a hard thing. So, you know, it's something that, you know, I really emphasize the guys don't just try to be the gray man the whole time, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and being in the spotlight. Yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, sometimes like I knew when I was in basic and AIT and stuff like I knew there was going to come a time where that wasn't going to work. Um, but I kind of rode that for as long as I could. So like when we were in AIT, for example, I'm like, a sport, right? yeah, but yeah. I, in AIT, like I was the distinguished undergraduate at our AIT, me and Daniel went to AIT together. I was a distinguished undergraduate, ah, the distinguished undergraduate and the E7 in charge of like our section of AIT didn't even know who I was. He said he was going through the grades and he was like, had ideas of who he thought was going to have the highest score. And he said, I looked at this guy, he had a, uh, 99.9999 average. I scored 100 on everything but one test that I got a 99 on. And he's gone, oh, man. Who's this? And he's like, Who the fuck is this guy? He's got, I don't even know who this is. I don't even recognize his name. Like, he had no idea who I was. And I was a distinguished undergraduate of AIT because I just studied my stuff and did what I needed to do and stayed out of the spotlight. But in RASP, I think, is. At that time, I think you need to start just getting used to um, stepping up into those roles would be. It the- looks good. It looks good, too, especially when you're out there and you say, I'll be a leader. And even if you mess it up, it still looks good that you were the guy who stepped up. And so I can speak uh, from my AIT experience, they actually assigned cadre to squads. So there was one ranger in charge of like 10 to 12 guys. So it it was pretty hard to even hide then anyways, because they do shrink you a little bit in the newer system so that they do have a little bit more hands on. And I think it was really, really good because when they counseled you about how you were doing, it wasn't just some instructor who had 50 people to watch. It was someone who knew what you were doing and kept track of all your scores and everything legitimately. Um, so I would definitely say, yeah, at some point, start trying to step up 
when you can. That's it's Certainly. a good thing. Tony, we're nearing the end of our time. So you guys, uh, somebody asked, did I miss it? You did not. This is a race. Guys, oh, there is man. a code <clears throat> I'm going to throw out your way. I appreciate you guys tuning in, by the way. Um, if you guys don't know, trainlikearanger.com, we have workout programs, nutrition programs. This code is going to apply to any one workout or nutrition program totally free with this code. It's a race, though, because it's only going to apply to the first three people who check out with it in time. So, <clears throat> the, the link is in our bio, right? There's three lines. That's the menu. You can click on workout programs or nutrition programs. And, uh, and from there, it's whoever's the fastest. So, the code, 100% off. 100% off any workout or nutrition program. Preamble is killing I'm, me. I'm messing with y'all. <laughs> all right. The code is, and I quote all caps. I don't think caps matter, but I have it here as all caps, right? <laughs> um, here's the code, okay? The code is this. TLR, race three, the number three. So T-L-R-R-A-C-E, -E, the number three. three. The number three, yes. T-L-R-R-A-C-E, number three. All right, guys, whoever's going to go for it, go. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. This was a great live stream. Tony, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Any last thoughts for these guys? Oh man, um, no, I did post the the. It's already already three. Ordered. It's gone. These guys were fast. It's gone already. Oh my lord! Gone. All right. Uh, good job. Oh, guys. we got to see it. Got it in, in YouTube. I see. Uh, oh man, I got it. I feel like a couple of people are saying I got it. I think too many. Okay. Oh man, it's a lot. Okay, it's whatever happened. But whatever all right, happened. we gotta whatever. end it because this is gonna get cut off on IG. Um, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Remember to train to your utmost potential like a ranger.